Welcome to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. At EPLA, we seek to support women and families suffering early pregnancy loss by providing resources, education, and community. It is our vision that no one suffers miscarriage alone. Welcome back to Hope Blooms. I am EPLA's Executive Director, Emily Carrington. And I am our President, Maria Servold. Today we're going to be looking at a little bit about mother's grief about the loss of a child through poetry. Yes. So this is one of my favorite poets, Anne Bradstreet. And I'll give you a quick history of her in a second. But her her poetry grabbed me in college. Is she's she writes from this position as as wife and mother, um, and she's but she's also a very good poet. Mm-hmm. And so the the poems we're going to look at today are actually about infant loss. And they are, one is her grandchild, Elizabeth, Mm. and another is her grandchild, Simon. Mm. Um, So both of these are grandchildren. Mm. And so a little history of Anne Bradstreet. Uh, She, I believe, is the first published author of The New World, Mm. if not the, or maybe the first woman. She is a Puritan writer. She was born in England and then she and her her family and her husband's family, the Bradstreets and the Dudleys, came over on the Arbella in the sixteen in sixteen thirty. Mm. Um, so it's a very early mm-hmm. colonial time when there is a lot of uncertainty, danger, mm-hmm. but also hope. Mm-hmm. And so she was. She was involved in all, with all those all those early those early Puritans. Um, and so it's interesting. I'm just struck briefly because infant loss would have been so much more common in general back then. Oh. And yet, and yet she has these moving pieces that you know talk about it and do set it apart as a sad thing, right? Even though right. it was something that happened much more back then. Right. Right. So these are. Yeah, so I'm I've been I've been wanting to look at these and it's interesting. I, I came to her um in college mm. in a early American lit class mm. and was really, really struck by her right away and, and have held on to her. Like, you know, she's one of the few people fifteen years later mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that you go back I, to. You'll pull I, the college book off the shelf again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And I continue to I continue to go to her, and I think we can often over-categorize and simplify the Puritan sort of literary, mm-hmm. I think the average person. I think one thing that I was struck that struck me was sort of how deep and moving yeah. and in touch and dark this was. So right. uh, so that's, that's sort of where we are contextually. I, I've got a lot of respect for her, and she's mm-hmm. known a lot of sadness. The the book I'm the book we're reading out of we'll put in the comments and I'll have um, direct links to the poems they're they're very available but the book I have is Anne Bradstreet a guided tour of the life and thought of a Puritan poet by Heidi L Nichols and she organizes her poetry thematically as opposed to oh, interesting. Um, chronologically chronologically mm. uh, which chronologically is an interesting read of her poetry. Mm as well but i think the thematic look so in is is a 
appropriate way to look at her. So we're looking in the you know section on suffering, mm. and the the poem, the first poem I want to talk about, and what's amazing is she never she never lost her own infants or mm. young children, mm. but suffered the deaths of grandchildren. And I we have our episode on you know grandmother's grief. Mm-hmm. And these these are not these are not miscarriages. I'm not sure that they would identify or mm-hmm. know or completely understand a pre twenty week loss, <laughs> right? But these are these really um, babies. Yes. So um, I'll get started here with the first one. I love titles in Puritan poetry. They're very long, so bear with me. <laughs> in memory of my dear grandchild Elizabeth Bradstreet, who deceased August 1665 being a year and a half old. Farewell, dear babe, my heart's too much content. Farewell, sweet babe, the pleasure of mine eye. Farewell, fair flower that for space was lent, then tain away into eternity. Blessed babe, why should I once bewail thy fate or sigh thy days so soon were terminate? Sith thou art settled in an everlasting state. By nature, trees do rot when they are grown, and plums and apples thoroughly ripe do fall, and corn and grass are in their season mown, and time brings down what is both strong and tall. But plants set new to be eradicate, and buds new blown have so short a date, is by his hand alone that guides nature's fate. Hmm. So, I mean, I... So short and powerful. <laughs> so short and powerful and so straightforward. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, both of us study literature in college, mm-hmm. but neither one of us are a PhD in literature. Yep. <laughs> but it's something I think that's really accessible. Yes. Um, and you don't have to know. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's what, yeah, it's like good poetry. I feel like hopefully anyone could find something to identify with in it, you know. Yeah. Which like, yeah, the images of things in nature. Yes. disappearing and dying and yeah i yeah. kind of want to we can go back to stanza one but i, I stanza two yeah mm-hmm. I, I think is so powerful mm-hmm. stanza one sort of this like balm to her soul yeah but then stanza two and and you know it's it's late fall mm-hmm. here in michigan and we still have beautiful days and there's these like trees like we're p- way past peak peak, mm-hmm. peak fall in michigan was a few weeks ago mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, you'll have like a few trees that were like late hang- shows. Yeah, and they're right? hanging on. <laughs> and hanging on. We were driving home from church the other day and my husband was like, those three trees are beautiful. They're yeah. just like three bright red trees mm-hmm. and they just show up. And so there's a lot of I, the, the world right now is mm-hmm. sort of crying out, right, to the death and the change of seasons. Um, so by nature, trees do rot when they are grown. I mean, mm-hmm. Even trees. I mean, she's standing. I mean, thinking about this imagery of trees and like colonial New England. Right. There are a lot of trees. Yes. A lot of trees. (laughs) And a lot of old trees Mm -hmm. surrounding her. But realizing even those old, tall, strong trees die Mm -hmm. and rot. Mm -hmm. And plums and apples thoroughly ripe do fall. Yeah, it's like the things that even it's this yeah sort of juxtaposition like or comparison that even things that reach their fullness. natural fullness still die still and, die and, and it's just interesting that then that's the comparison like 
you didn't reach, in a sense, the grandchild didn't reach her fullness, but then almost in a sense she did. I wow, feel like yeah, she's and she's, yeah, I mean, so she gets there and corn and grass are in their season moan and time brings down what is both strong and tall. So it's mm-hmm. this, and, and she's an older woman at right. this point. She's a grandmother. So she's sort of, there's an acceptance we have with this circle of life mm-hmm. that is still sad, but the sadness is different. And right. then, right, and then there's this line, but plants new set to be eradicate and buds new blown to have too short a date yep. is by his hand alone that guides nature and his fate. Mm-hmm. So just realize, this is sort of, a, I don't know if she's, it's in, I mean, she's saying that it is God's hand alone right. that guides nature and his fate. And so she's sort of acknowledging, I think simultaneously, that there is nature and nature's course, but there is also nature's God. Right, right. And that's a really hard, mm-hmm. like she's... Like, yeah, some things you can see the natural progression and expect what they're going to do, like trees get old and die, but then sometimes things are different. Things are different. And, yeah. But she's still... Trusting God's yes, providence trusting. Mm-hmm. in an amazing way, which I think circles back around. I think it's interesting because mm-hmm. in some ways it feels like she ends the she ends the poem so hopelessly. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't know if that's hopeless. Hard, right? Yeah, yeah. I do think she may she finds comfort in that, but mm-hmm. also that's a hard comfort, right? But then that circles back around. Farewell, dear babe. Dear babe, my heart's too much content. Farewell, sweet babe, the pleasure of my nine. Farewell, fair flower, for that space was lent, then tain away into eternity. Mm. Blessed babe, why should I once bewail thy fate or sigh on the days too soon terminate, sith thou art settled in an everlasting state? So I love that part about the lent space. Yeah. Like you had a you had a place here, but it was like you're yes. borrowing it, which is yes. kind of true for all, all, for of, all us. of us, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Fair flower for that space was lent. Mm-hmm. Like not taking away from the beauty of it while it existed, right? Yeah. Like not to say that it was not worth the short time or something. Yeah. Well, and I am just struck and love like how much joy and delight mm-hmm. she had in this baby. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes too we can forget people before us are human people. <laughs> you yeah, know right. What I mean, like right. I'm just picturing this grandmother delighting in a giggling like a, a one and a half year old, mm-hmm. a giggling baby and how much pleasure she she took from that child and sort of this understanding that you've passed but the world sort of keeps it's like we've talked about I think we've talked about this before. You know, sort of the there's life after death and that of course that she is clearly pointing to eternity in heaven, mm-hmm. but also there's life after death for the rest of us mm-hmm. as we have to continue forward. And I right. think that Lent space sort of points to that. Yes. Like, yes. You are here for a brief moment and we will march on mm-hmm. and enjoy that you are a fair flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that there, there does seem to be some sort of temporal hope yep. under that too, that, you can move forward, even though the life was brief. Mm-hmm. You know, spring spring fades away, right? Yep. But we still enjoy its beauty. Yeah. And we still enjoy. So there was another poem, too, that she wrote about the loss of another child. And 
this is a very young baby. Mm. He was a month old, mm. a month and one day. Um, and I guess I'll just I'll just dive in mm-hmm. and we can go there. On my dear grandchild Simon Bradstreet, who died on 16 November 1669, being but a month and one day old. No sooner come but gone and fallen asleep, acquaintance short, yet parting caused us weep. Three flowers, two scarcely blown, and the last at the bud. Cropped by thy Almighty's hand, yet he is good. With dreadful awe before him, let's be mute. Such was his will, but why? Let's not dispute. With humble hearts and mouths put in the dust, let's say he's merciful as well as just. He will return and make up all our losses and smile again after our bitter crosses. Go, pretty babe, go rest with sisters twain. Among the blessed and endless joys remain. So, quick history here. This is the third grandchild she has lost. Mm -hmm. She had lost Elizabeth in 1665. And her namesake died at uh, three and a half in Mm. 1669. And then she lost same year, 1669. She lost a baby. And I'm actually looking... If all of these were from the same family. Mm. Sorry for my pause in reading here. <laughs> the two who died in 1669 were from Samuel and her son Samuel and his wife Mercy. And Elizabeth's was the oldest of Samuel and Mercy. Oh, wow. Okay. So mm. these are... so. We see, we didn't read the poem of the law. She did write a poem as well for mm. the three and a half year old. But for our purposes, I was looking at, at infant death. The, the line that strikes me and that I love in this as a miscarriage mom mm-hmm. is no sooner come but gone mm-hmm. and fallen asleep. And I just feel like that so, I mean, it's literal, and, but it's succinct and it wraps up exactly yep. the miscarriage experience. Right. Yes. I mean, it's like by the time, I mean, we talk, that's something lots of people have talked about who we talked to. It's like, you know, you're going to that ultrasound with the hope and knowing something's there and then being told it's not right. Like no sooner did you know than it was gone. Right. Mm -hmm. And fallen asleep, acquaintance short, yet parting caused us weep. This, we talk about this, like she talks about, you look at this first baby who she knew for a year and a half and how she's a flower and a joy and um, she had pleasure in her. Mm-hmm. And this baby, she's admitting like, I don't even know who you are. Right. She describes him as a bud, you know, yeah. like not even a flower that's bloomed yet. The last is a blood. The last is a, a bud. Sorry, having trouble with my colonial english here this morning (laughs) um it's like yeah there wasn't the chance to see the bloom yet right Mm -hmm. and so and and i love like acquaintance short yet parting caused us weep Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before that in the morning of a loved one you've spent a whole life with you have a whole life to remember and of course that causes you to weep Mm -hmm. 
you're remembering that time has passed. You're remembering that you won't have those experiences with that loved one anymore. But she sees that even if we don't know you, we love you and we miss you and we weep. And she comes, I, she comes before her grief and her God in a very different posture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly the same tone of victory. Yeah, there, I, I felt more of a sense of, you know, shaking the fists at the sky in this one. Like, right. Why? And, why? Right. And, and yet she, still trusting. Right. But she, much more questioning. <laughs> yes. She holds this as any good Puritan <clears throat> yeah. does, right? Like she refuses to... She refuses to to take God's name in vain right. and, and or right. refuses to even let her tongue slip at all. And if that's good or bad, we don't need to talk about yeah. today. But you see it come through. Let's be mute. Let's not dispute. Mm-hmm. With humble hearts and mouths put in dust, let's say he's merciful as well as just. Mm. I think she's, I don't think she's declaring this in some sort of like, God is so good. Mm-hmm. But as in like, I will repeat. I will yeah. repeat it. I will repeat it yeah, because sort I of, don't right. believe it. Right. Right. Right exactly. now. Yeah. I can't know this, but I'm just going to like have the faith. I feel this anger mm-hmm. even if she isn't willing to say it. Right. And I, I, I think you have to allow for that. I don't want to over like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to over assume or put myself on her or but i think you have to allow like yeah there's real feelings yeah here yeah and that you see this progression it's a much shorter poem it's mm. one stanza along it's only 12 lines mm. i guess the last one was only 14 but it was these two stanzas mm-hmm. that sort of pictured this flower and this life and eternity and these these thoughts of hope and this one this one's assuming, I, I think what's interesting, this one's sort of assuming the other half of the argument. Right. Right. Like, let's not dispute this. God is good. Let's just say he's merciful and just. That means someone somewhere, either her or her mm-hmm. children or everyone experiencing this grief is feeling that he's not. Right. She wouldn't right. need to say it. Right. But then she also moves, she moves into sort of this heavenly realm again and is becoming more desperate for it which i think is a fair feeling Mm -hmm. but i think that it's it's important that we see her anger yeah in this as well well and i it's just so identifiable you know that the feeling and i was the day we're recording this is <clears throat> November 15th and you said that that said November 16th so it was like almost oh, exactly wow. 400 and something years ago <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. amazing and and it's, uh, you know that's what's so beautiful about the written word is that someone could be in a completely different situation in a completely different time and yet there's this human experience that crosses through yeah time mm-hmm. yeah and this would have been a really cold mm-hmm. yeah difficult looming. time <laughs> difficult Mm -hmm. time and so yeah i appreciate the difference between those two the sort of different feeling you can see and yet she's still she still has trust in god through both situations yeah yeah she's 
clearly experienced deep grief. I think it's also interesting and beautiful that each of these occasions, and she does this as a writer, she marks every sort of major life event Mm -hmm. with a poem. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that that's such a powerful expression. And, you know, and this is, this is, you know, 400 years ago, Mm -hmm. almost 400 years ago. Um, And, you know, I think sometimes we underestimate what women were capable of doing. Yes. Especially when it comes to literature. Yeah. And that, but that she also doesn't, she has a whole pile of works that are, that are not wife and mother content, Mm -hmm. but they're, they don't, they don't divorce her womanliness. Mm Mm-hmm. But she's got some great and beautiful stuff. One one I love, I'm not going to read this, but just sort of to place her work in context. In honor of that high and mighty princess, Queen Elizabeth of happy memory. <laughs> um, so, and, and she has this really beautiful prose and long extended poem mm-hmm. that is engaging with the political and history. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, this, I think there's probably some feminine connection to the queen, but it is not, it, it is not necessarily wife and mother content. Right. She is a poem right. poet. She, she's got another poem, a dialogue between old England and new concerning their present troubles. <laughs> I think that was hers. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> and then um, I think she wrote it under an anonymous pen name it looks oh, like okay. and like i'm looking in this book and like all of the footnotes to make sure i understand what's going on are quite significant yeah but then you get to these personal life so like she's 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 a poet she's a poet but that's also just sort of her full expression but yeah. she's engaging on these political public levels yep that i think sometimes we are probably, I would I don't want to get into this, but sometimes we assume women didn't engage on. Right. Especially in that yeah. time and place. <laughs> right. Right. And I would right. argue they engaged way more than we realized. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so she's engaging on these public levels, mm-hmm. but then this is also her private expression mm-hmm. of grief mm-hmm. is through poetry. So we often talk about like how are ways that we can express grief. Yeah. And, Mine was to start a nonprofit, which sort of makes sense, but in my head. But I love that she takes the time to put pen to paper mm-hmm. and to write. Um, and we had done, we have an earlier episode on poetry, on Irish poetry, looking actually at actual miscarriages mm-hmm. and some more modern poetry. Um, but I've, I've had, even though her work isn't, isn't miscarriage, this loss of child and this grief, and this timelessness, mm-hmm. I think, is important for us to yes. realize. Yes, totally. That she, it really helps with the you're not alone feeling, you know, yeah. like this has been happening forever. <laughs> I know. And I feel like literature is so important and that we can't get detached from that. Mm-hmm. I think we can read a million mommy blogs. Yep. I and we have a blog and I think our blog is good, but I and I think we can give this advice and talk about our own experiences and our own stories. But I think normalizing that grief in literature throughout all of history 
is such an important way to connect. So I think I would love to know if anyone else has run into any other poetry or literary expressions of loss. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's funny that Anne Bradstreet sort of chose me. I don't Mm -hmm. know. It happens, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like at different parts of my life, different parts of her works have Mm -hmm. been, I need to re, yeah, I just, I need to reread some of her being reminded even even if like i don't necessarily i'm not a puritan i'm not mm-hmm. a, i'm not like even if i don't line up with her i think sometimes and i think we can do this to the puritans put them in a box put them in a box <laughs> yeah decide they're kind of a like boxy i don't know anomaly yeah <laughs> and really like we have a lot of Puritan heritage and history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and probably share more than we mm-hmm. than we realize we do with them. And so as a Christian with English and American heritage, yeah. like I'm not gonna I like I'm gonna learn what I can from Anne Bradstreet yep. and see her yep. where I think she shines and just that power as wife and mother and matriarch grandmother. Right that she cares so deeply for her children and her children's children. Mm -hmm. So I, um, yeah, I would love to hear if there's other, other of you out there that have run into some literature. Yes. Let us know in the comments if there's anyone else or any other poems that. Yes. We would love to hear from them. I think Mm -hmm. it's such a good way to share. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Hope Blooms, a podcast from the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. To learn more about how we and you can support women suffering early pregnancy loss, visit our website at miscarriagecare.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening.